You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to podcast episode 32 for Monday the 10th of October 2016. My guest this week is Edward Treyer, who writes under the pen name Billy Bob Buttons. He's the author of 16 books to date and is published by the Wishing Shelf Press. In 2011, his book Felicity Brady and the Wizard's Bookshop was longlisted for the International Rubri Book Award and Tor, Assassin Hunter, was a runner-up in the 2012 UK People's Book Prize. In 2014, I Think I Murdered Miss won the UK People's Book Prize. He visits over 200 UK primary schools every year delivering literacy workshops, and it's estimated that he's met with over 150,000 children over the last three years. He's also the founder and organiser of the Wishing Shelf Independent Book Awards, which I thoroughly recommend for anybody who's involved in independent publishing. I began by asking Edward if he always wanted to write for a younger audience. I do enjoy writing for children. I find children readers to be more more receptive to my writing. I like writing comedy and children love comedy. So my books are down very well with children. Also, by writing children's books, I have a easily identifiable audience, readers that I can easily contact, meet with and talk about my books and build up a, a readership. So, so it sort of worked together. I had an interest in writing for children. Um, I like their sort of sense of humour, but, but also writing with them gave me access to, to my readership very easy by visiting schools. And you have a background as a secondary school teacher. Is, is that where that kind of interest and engagement came from? Well, it helps because at the moment I, well, this year, for example, I'm visiting 200 primary schools and secondary schools in the UK. And I had to design literacy workshops that would uh, help the children with their writing, whether it's looking at character or setting or adventure writing or planning. And being a secondary school English teacher, I, I understand the, the national curriculum for schools. So I could put together workshops that the children would enjoy, that the teachers would say, yes, this guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, so it helps a lot being a secondary school English teacher. Also, I'm used to standing up in front of children being a teacher. So I've done workshops for, for 10 children and I've done workshop for 1,500 children. And it doesn't, doesn't worry me. I don't bat an eyelid. I just go out there and do it. And a lot of authors are quite shy, but thankfully being a teacher, it, it's not out of me. So it helps a lot. I saw that figure of 200 schools on your website and it made me <laughs> shudder. Uh, how uh, is that? Yes. Presumably are you doing two in a day or is that one a day? That's phenomenal. That number. is doing that is doing two a day. So I do a morning school uh, where I basically do two workshops, one with year three and four, one with year five and six. And then I jump in my car. Well, I do a book signing. Then I jump in my car, drive to the next school and then do year three, year four, then year five, year six. And then I do usually a big book signing when all the parents pick their kids up. 
it's a bit like a Rolling Stones tour, isn't it? I mean, it must, you must be really tired doing that. It is exhausting, but it is very successful. It's very, very successful. So I will be sticking with it, although it is exhausting. Uh, it, it is, uh, I have a niche in the market there, uh, which I am um, working hard to keep because I think, I think what happened really was I started doing this about five years ago. And five years ago, there weren't so many authors doing it. And the ones that were doing it were charging a lot of money to visit schools. So the problem was they were depleting the school's um, literacy uh, funding for the year with just one author visit. So I sort of came in there and I said, well, I'll come visit you. You cover my costs and um, and in return, promote my books to the parents and children. And then we'll do a big book signing at the end. So what happens is, is when I send out my emails to schools and I have thousands and thousands of contacts now having visited over 1,300 schools. Because I charge so little, I basically book up within a, within a week for the whole year. Um, so it works very, very well. That's absolutely phenomenal. And on your uh, main book website, it mm. says that you sell over 100,000 books every year. And I'm assuming it's all That's this hard work correct. that does that. Basically, yes, it is. That's, uh, we only hit that this year. Um, I wrote a book called I Think I Murdered Miss. And that won the UK People's Book Prize in 2014. And that book is a very big seller for us. Um, my other books also sell well, but that's the big one. Um, and when that came out, really, the numbers started to increase. And we have now a shop, uh, our own shop, Billy Bob Button's shop. We have, of course, Amazon uh, selling books for us. We have an online ordering service uh, for people buying books uh, wanting to sign books, we uh, and of course we. Um, I do a very very large book signings at schools. I went to a school today called Reapham in Lincolnshire, and I met with say I say I met with about twelve, uh, about one hundred and twenty children, and I would say that about ninety of them bought books with their parents. So you can very quickly build up the numbers if you're starting to do that amount of schools. I know Reefham in Lincolnshire. It's my home county, actually. It's a lovely little place, isn't it? Now, this is uh, this is a really interesting model that you've got here. So, do you do you think that your those phenomenal sales are completely attributable to the work that you're doing in schools? Absolutely, one hundred percent. But the thing is, is that not everybody can do it because you have to have certain things lined up to do it. First of all, you have to be confident in front of large groups of children and when you are giving your workshops you are basically on stage so you have to be outgoing and interesting and if the children like you they buy your books because they like you so that's one skill that you need you also need to have huge contacts in the schools because a lot of authors will try and spam schools they'll send out emails saying can i come and visit um, and most of those emails don't even get through to the correct person if they even get through their spam filters. So you have to have excellent contacts. You have to be able to design literacy workshops that, that fit the national curriculum that will help the pupils. You have to give the school something. You have to have a large range of books for all different age groups. And then you have to have a system in place for ordering, uh, collecting, sending, um, invoicing, everything all set up as well. So it's quite a big uh, quite a big business I have now. Um, so it's not something you can just sort of run off and do. You have to really think things through and be and have the right sort of 
personality to do it. I mean, there's a lot of work involved in that. Now, the other thing that I noticed there when you were speaking was you're using the word we rather than I. Mm. Who is we? Well, my wife is a fantastic help. She's a fantastic help. Also, I have a number of editors that help me with the uh, the writing side of the book. Well, the editing side of the books, anyway. Um, we have lots of I have lots of illustrators that I work with as well, um, particularly for the picture books that we put together. Um, so there's there's quite a few people in 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 my little team, if you like, uh, and also the Wishing Shelf Book Awards, which has has grown into a monster. Uh, I have a a member of staff there that helps us. Um, uh, run the book awards so we have a few people in in amongst family and, and friends and also um people who work for us that sort of help us to keep things going you've got a whole business machine going here yet you would describe yourself as an indie author absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i have no interest in publishers it's interesting actually because of course i i did the original thing if you like many years ago trying to get published with the big boys or the big girls uh, no luck whatsoever but now that my figures are up in the 100,000 mark, I get a lot of interest. But I have no interest in any of uh, the big publishers because their contracts suck. <laughs> I would make a lot, lot, lot less money with the, uh, with the big publishers and I'd lose all control of my product. And I'd be putting it in the hands of people that I what might be fantastic or might not. I don't know. They could kill my business or they could make it even better. But the money's not so good and you lose control. And, and, and so it's just not worth it. And I think that's one of the problems that indie authors have, that when you are just starting out, you'd love for Penguin to come up and say, you know, we want you. But then when you get, if you're very lucky and work very, very hard and you suddenly start getting big sales and they do come looking at you, you read the fine print and you realize you don't want them anymore. It's very interesting. And, and something else I noticed, and this is, this is not an insult, when you go to Amazon, it doesn't look mm. like there's an awful lot happening in Amazon because that sounds like no, you're making your sales no. directly. No, I don't, I don't sell that many on Amazon. I sell maybe 30 paperbacks uh, a month and maybe, I don't know, probably the same again in e-books. The thing is that most of my books are for 8 to 11-year-olds and 8 to 11-year-olds they don't have a credit card for a start, and also they um, they don't they don't often don't have Kindles. They want and, and and the other problem is of course parents don't want them to read on Kindles. They want them to read a proper book. Um, so it's as you probably know, it's very very hard as a children's author to get big sales uh, on eBooks. Um, so even with my sales, it doesn't necessarily translate over to Amazon. Amazon's sort of a backup backup if you like. So I'd rather they bought from me directly. If they don't buy directly from me, I'd rather they go uh, through the post or go to my shop on my website, bbbuttons.co.uk. And last resort, they should go to Amazon because, to be honest, I get a lot less money. So the Wishing Shelf Press is your own imprint. Uh, is yes, that right? it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so yes, how are you then printing and producing the books? Are you using CreateSpace for that or are you doing it a different way? I do it in lots of different ways. So most of my paperbacks are on CreateSpace. But then I also produce my own versions of those paperbacks using Book Printing UK and also a printer in Lithuania. So when I'm doing big volume, um, for example, I just ordered uh, 6,300, I think I murdered Miss. Then I ordered those from Lithuania. And those books came in at about 50p a book. 
Um, so I will get my big orders through that company over there. But Book Printing UK, I use those for sort of orders between sort of, you know, 10 books and a couple of hundred. Um, so, so I work with printers as well. And do you distribute to bookstores at all? Do you have ISBN numbers that the bookstores will recognise yeah, and list? All, all, yeah, all the books have ISBN numbers. To be honest, I try and get Amazon to do it now. So Amazon have their own ISBN numbers for my books. Um, and I always click tick the box that allows them to distribute to bookshops because basically they can do the work for me and just send me my money every month. So I try not to. I still do do and I still do get orders from Nelson Books and so on. Um, and I do uh, fulfill those orders, but I'm try- trying to push it over to Amazon as much as I can, um, because then it's just it just all gets done and I don't need to do anything. So it's a lot easier for me that way. Now, like you, I'm a former teacher and I remember uh, handing out, was it the Scholastic School uh, leaflets that do the rounds in schools? Yes. Is, is there yes. any advantage or interest for you to be on that list? Because they must shift a fair few books through those, mustn't they? They do, but... I don't know, to be honest. They are very selective about the books that they produce. And it's mostly their own books, I believe, or books from major players. I don't think, for example, Scholastic will distribute books for indie authors. I've been to a few of the Scholastic book fairs when I've been in the schools. I've had a nosy round. I've never seen anything of an indie nature. It's usually pretty mass paperbacks that have been printed in China whereby the publisher, you know, they're, they're, they're printing a couple of million of them or whatever, a couple of hundred thousand, getting them for pennies. And then, of course, they can heavily discount when they put them in the schools. Um, so I don't think there's much going on there. And I do know there's very, very little point of sending literature to schools because having visited 1,200 primary schools, secondary schools, staff rooms, they just sit there in big piles and no one ever reads them. So, again, that's not a way to go. Um, there's a lot of magazines for schools, primary schools. Again, you can advertise what you're doing there. But I would say that 99.9% of the time, they're never even opened by the, by the school teachers. Now, I've just done a little bit of rough calculating while you've been chatting. And mm-hmm. you're in schools about 100 days of the year. Uh, 104 days of the mm-hmm. year are weekends, uh, which mm-hmm. doesn't leave you very many days of the year to get some writing done. Uh, no. So how do you manage this publishing schedule in I, school to get the writing? I tend to, I tend to do my writing uh, in the summer holidays. That's when I tend to get books written. I am actually not going to be writing very much this year because I'm so overwhelmed with school visits and also running the book awards, which is uh, a bit of a monster now. So I'm, I'm not going to be writing much. I don't really need to be honest. I've, I've just had a new book come out called Drowning Fish which is the sequel to I Think I'm Murdered Miss. So that's just come out a few days ago. I also had a new picture book out called The Hungry Grasshopper. So I've had a few books out now. I've got 16 books. I cover all the age groups. So there's no pressure on me right now to write another book. So what I'll probably do this year is write a picture book uh, called um, Never Ever Tickle the Tickle Monster, which will be not a great deal of work. It'll be quite a lot of work, but not too much. Uh, be more poor illustrator has to do all the work um, and then I might sort of get going again in about six months time and, and start, a, start a new book then. And how does it work with the illustrators because you have got some lovely picture books in your repertoire how does the deal work with an illustrator because as you said I mean I know there's skill obviously involved with the words but there aren't that many words involved and as you say the, the real sort of effort goes into the those lovely pictures to make it come alive how does, how does the deal well, work? Well picture pay- books Basically, 
what happens is this. Well, well I had a I, I wrote a picture book called um, The Boy Who Piddled in His Granddad's Slippers. <laughs> now, that book was illustrated by a fantastic illustrator in the UK, but she was a little bit pricey for me. So what happened was I actually went on Fiverr.com, had a look through the hundreds of thousands of illustrators, found one that I really liked. Uh, she was based in East Europe, and I offered her the job of illustrating my new book, Wide Awake, and then also The Hungry Grasshopper. And she's done a fantastic job, uh, and she basically does it for 10% of the price of the UK illustrators. Wow. So... Yeah, well, the thing is that, you know, it's business at the end of the day. And if both illustrators do a fantastic job, it's crazy to pay 90% more, unless the illustrator has a big name and that name can pull in sales. But if both illustrators are just good illustrators and they haven't got names uh, in the market, then it, it's, it's not worth going with the UK 90% more when you can and get it done um, for, you know, 90% cheaper uh, and actually a lot, lot faster as well. So I won't actually ever work with a UK illustrator again because their contracts are too complex and their and their prices are too high. So I, I go east. I go east. That is an amazing strategy because, I mean, I use Fiverr a lot uh, to do mm. micro jobs. So mm. so presumably this wasn't a Fiverr, but presumably you just came up with a Oh, no, not at all. Charge sheet. Not at all. I still think it's important to pay a good salary. I don't want to uh, rip that lady off. So what I did was I simply asked her uh, to do the cover of the new book for $30 or whatever it was, uh, $25. She did it. I liked it. I said, right, do you want to do the rest of the book? And then we negotiated a price uh, that we felt was reasonable. I think that's a fantastic strategy. It's really, uh, really impressive that I've not heard anybody do that before. So I think there's a big tip in there. For it people. makes a huge difference because, because you, it really affects your bottom line because you don't have to sell so many books to break even basically because the major cost is the illustrator so if you have a uh, a 32 whatever page um a4 uh, page picture book print um produced then a uk illustrator will charge you anywhere between sort of you know two to four thousand pounds um so you have to sell you know two or three hundred copies even before you uh, start to pay that off but if you know you're getting it done for 500 pounds then you have to sell a lot less so what about your covers then? How are you getting those done? Over the years, I've worked with lots and lots of different illustrators um, and they've done the covers for me. Occasionally, I have simply gone on deviantart.com, which you might know about, do, yes. found a picture that perfectly fits my uh, book, contacted them and said, I love your cover. Can I put it on my I love your picture. Can I put it on the front cover of my book? I'll put your details inside the inside the book. And they 99 percent of the time they're delighted. So um, so I put the cover, uh, the picture on the cover and then I send them some free copies, of course, um, and make sure all their details and that are correct inside the book. And then I of, often market them at my workshops. I tell the, the children about this illustration, how good he or she is. So I've done it that way. Um, and also I've actually uh, paid for illustrators as well if I really like their work and, and want, a, want a picture done. I've been aware of DeviantArt for some time, but I wasn't sure how it operated. Is it, is it Creative Commons or is it literally just a, an arrangement between you and the artist? It's basically an arrangement between myself and the artist. So you can scroll through DeviantArt.com, you know, put, it, put in the search category. Let's say you're writing a book about a wizard 
um, then put in wizard in the search box. You'll find thousands and thousands of illustrations with wizards. If you see one you love, then you can simply contact that illustrator directly and say, you know, how much would it cost to uh, have this on my front cover? Or, you know, can I have it for free? And I'll, I'll put all your details inside the book and send you free copies or try and negotiate a good deal as best you can. But it's a good site. It's a good site. But you have to troll through for a little bit and try and find what you want. Brilliant. Well, I want to move on to the Wishing Shelf of Book Awards because this is how I um, first discovered you and became aware of what you were doing. I think it was, mm-hmm. I think it was last year I entered and I can't even remember where I discovered it. You know how things pop up all over the place uh, yes, online. Yes, they do, yeah. Uh, it, it's a really uh, good and interesting award. Number one, because it's for um, independent authors, but you have a really high feedback element in this, haven't you? Could you just talk us through the awards? Well, the Wishing Show Book Awards, I set it up about five or six years ago. I think it was six years ago now. And what happened was I entered a few book awards uh, in the US. I won't say the name of them, but they were terrible. I got a little bit of feedback from one book award which basically told me that it was a I can't remember what it said now but it was something along the lines of this is an excellent World War II drama set in France and it was actually a, a, a children's fantasy set in a magic bookshop so and I was so disappointed and then I did do well in one awards and all they wanted to do was sell me uh, winner stickers so I realized that it was all just this horrible con that they just want money off you and they don't really interested in 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 the winners at all. So I sort of went for this walk. I was living in Sweden. I thought, you know, I'm going to set my own awards that actually listens to the authors and actually sort of becomes sort of family with the authors. So I set up the Wishing Shelf Book Awards. And because I had so many contacts in the schools, I managed to get eight of them to um, to comment on all the children's books that are entered so the great thing was as i visit the schools i i I give the books to the kids they they have all these pieces of paper they they read it they fill it all in they talk about them in class and then the teachers send me the feedback and then i pass that feedback onto the onto the authors and then also i set up a reading group in london and a reading group in stockholm sweden and those two adult groups they read the um, all the adult entries, the fiction, non-fiction, and they also give lots and lots of feedback. So then what we do then is when we announce the awards in uh, the finalists in March, we then announce the winners in April. And then between April and basically about now, we send everyone their feedback, uh, what the basically what the readers uh, thought of the book. And they get lots of things. They get statistics, uh, for example, you know, how many readers out of 20 would read another book by this author how many readers out of 20 thought the cover was fantastic how many readers out of 20 etc etc they get marks out of 10 for editing for style for content for plot Um, and then they get lots and lots of remarks from all the different readers and then we also put um, whether that reader is a man or a woman a boy or a girl and also the age of that boy or girl and the age of that adult reader so they get an idea of of their audience and what readers are like in what so it's gone down very well and we and i think we give far more feedback than any awards in the world as far as i'm aware it's very interesting that you mentioned the sticker syndrome because uh like you uh, yes. i'm early in my career and i've gone in for a few awards and i've come to exactly the same conclusion actually that all many of these awards are just vehicles to squeeze a bit more cash out of you um they are than... absolutely mm. well the difference is we we run the wishing shell book awards we don't run it for profit 
so we don't make any money and all the money goes back into the prizes and to running the awards and and pay my member of staff who helps with all the feedback so this is a huge job because the first year i don't quote me it's on the website but the first year there was about 40 entries and now we're sort of up at sort of four or five hundred entries so to deal with all those feedbacks is is a huge job. So basically, the, the the fee, which is actually a lot, lot less than most other awards, um, is simply used to to pay that part-time member of staff and also just to run the awards. So we don't make any money out of it. Yet uniquely, you offer to refund an entry fee if an author just isn't happy with the experience. Yeah. If they don't like it, they can have the money back. Absolutely. I just learned, you know, in life that it's not worth it. You know, it's not worth arguing. So it's only happened one time. It's happened one time uh, a lady uh she didn't get her feedback i think it must have gone in her spam occasionally our feedbacks go in spam and then the author contacts and we say check your spam and it's usually sitting there but she didn't contact us for months and then when she did we resent it but she was very unhappy so i said just just have your money back so no so we'll always give money back to anyone who's not happy even if they won the awards and they said, you know, I'm still not happy they can have their money back because I it's life's too short to be life's too short to be arguing money. So we we don't do it for money. So if they're if they're that sort of if they're that sort of a person that wants their few pound back because whatever reason, then they're very welcome to. It doesn't worry us at all. That is some guarantee. I've never seen that anywhere else. So mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. But it's only happened once and I think we've had about two thousand authors and publishers enter now. We've only had it happen one time, so we're quite pleased. So for people who've not heard of the awards before, um, who are they for? They're not just for children's books, I take it. No, no it's called, called the Wishing Shelf Book Awards. The website is www.thewsa.co.uk. All the information's on there. You can enter pretty much any book you want, whether it is for uh, children or even picture books, for adults, fiction, non-fiction, um, e-books. Uh, there's a range of options there that you can enter. Uh, there's six categories in total. Uh, and basically, I think, hopefully, if you do enter, you'll find that it's sort of a, a family feeling. We send out an, a monthly newsletter to you. We have a very, very active Facebook page um, where the the authors can actually discuss the awards. They can say, you know, we even discuss how to spend the, the money to help the prize, make better prizes for the winners and the finalists. Um, so it's quite interactive. And generally, hopefully 99% of the time, if you email us or contact us, we, we get back to you within a few hours. So we're, it's all very, very friendly. I'm, I'm first naming terms with, with most of them. So it's all very friendly. Well, I, I seem to remember you, uh, when I was asking you whether I could enter a certain book, a nonfiction one, I think it was, I'm sure you emailed mm. me directly, actually. So you're, you're even doing a lot of the work yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, I do do some of the work myself. Um, the member staff we use Alison she she does a, a lot more now but um but yeah I, I do I still do get involved I like to keep I, I, the wishing shelf book awards is very personal thing for me um I set it up it's like a child really it's grown very very quickly it's got a fantastic reputation on the internet and with authors and publishers and um, we don't always get it right but we really try to um and um I don't know I just feel that in independent publishing there's been this sort of ethos of just ripping authors off, just seeing them as a bottomless pit of money. And there's been numerous you know, court cases, numerous organizations that have really tried to do that. And it's just really annoyed me. So I'm really happy that this 
very small award um, is doing something good for the author. So it makes me very, very happy. So I do try and keep on top of it. I do try and uh, get involved with it as much as I can. And in spite of your uh, bad experiences with awards, you have actually uh, won a couple. Um, you, you've been long listed mm-hmm. for the Rubris, which is a, is a lovely award, isn't yes. it, to be to be winning? Mm-hmm. Um, and the UK People's yes. Book Prize, which is also a, a very high profile prize. Um, I won the UK People's Book Prize, yeah, a few years ago, which is fabulous, isn't it? So, uh, so yes, you, you, yes. You're, you're a runner-up, weren't you, for one of them? And then you you won for I think I murdered Miss. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, brilliant. I mean, that's some achievement. What what does that sort of do? It helps. What does it do? Yeah, for, as an author, when you win something high profile like that, you know, if you don't make it work for you, it doesn't do anything. Hmm. You could win. Well, unless you win the Booker, <laughs> then it really won't help you. The same with the Wishing Shell Book Awards. You could win the Wishing Shell Book Awards, my own very own Book Awards. Uh, get the gold medal and if you don't tell anyone you won't sell one extra book the prop the thing with book awards is you've got to see them as a tool in your tool bag okay that's how i see them so let's take for example when i'm trying to um, book in schools uh for um my literary workshops now when when i book in a school i always put um winner of the uk people's book prize in my letter to the school and as soon as I started doing that, I got a huge increase in the amount of schools that wanted me to um, to, uh, to to visit them. So people perceive awards as being very, very important. But you have to use it in some way. You've got to have a, There's no point in entering an award unless you have it as part of your business plan. And, and your business plan must be, yes, I'm going to win this award. And if I do, I'm going to use it to sell more books in this way, this way, this way and this way. And for me, it was I. I'm going to use it to get into more schools so it was perfect for that but if i hadn't used it for that it would have been completely useless um so you've got to have a plan that's the trick you've got to have a plan at what point did you feel that you were really getting traction because you told me you're not sort of selling any more books on amazon probably than you know somebody who's doing fairly well is selling so you've made this Mm. success yourself it's your own hard work and graft that's done this when when did it feel like it was beginning to flow for you You know sometimes you're pushing against a closed door when did that door start to open for you i would say it happened really when i published i think i murdered miss because that title really intrigues children um and and i i've learned from that title i think i murdered miss how powerful how important the title is when you're choosing a title for your book because it can make or break a book so my other books sell great but that one is the, is the jewel in my crown so i think when I, when you get that one book that the a is a great story and kids love it but also it just has that that something about it that makes it a little bit different um then that's what starts things that starts things rolling along and just another point there i think that i also think that authors spend way too much time trying to promote themselves on the internet the problem with the internet is you can't see the woods for the trees there's so many authors battling to try and promote their books on facebook on twitter on all sorts of social media um throwing money at amazon for their ads or uh, at all the other different organizations and they they seem to forget that the way to actually sell your books is to is face to face with your readers that's the way to go about it so and and also it's particularly true if you write children's books because children's books are near on impossible to sell um 
in ebook format um, or any, any format really when it's online. You've really could, because parents want the kids to read an actual book. Um, so the the trick is you've you've got to find a way of trying to interact with your readers that doesn't involve a computer screen. And if you can do that, then you can do very, very well. Because Amazon, believe it or not, is not the be on end all of, of, of selling books. I sell about 100,000 books a day. Uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. I wish I did. 100,000 <laughs> books a year. 100,000 books a year. And, and apart from a few publishers that try to grab hold of me, no one knows I exist. Yeah, this no is one what, knows I exist. Yeah, this is what's astonishing. And I love it that way. Indie. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, but I love it that way because the ones that do know I exist are all the schools, which is my audience, all the children I've met, the hundreds of thousands of children I've met, and they keep buying my books. They don't run online every five seconds and write reviews on Amazon. I mean, I have some reviews on Amazon, and, and children do sometimes write reviews on Amazon. But at the end of the day, you know, if a child who's 10 years old reads my books and loves it, they're not going to then run up to Daddy, say, Daddy, can I go on your Amazon account, get on his Amazon account, and then try and write a review. Authors are also obsessed by Amazon reviews. Um, they are here nor there, and the whole the whole system is completely uh, useless in many ways as, as a selling technique. Um, you've got to try and get face to face with your readers and stop relying on Amazon and 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 the, and the internet to try and do the work for you. Particularly social media, Twitter, waste of space. I do think it's an astonishing model because, and again, I don't say this to insult you, but if you looked on Amazon, you would think that you barely existed. But that quite clearly yes. is not the case. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I mean, this is, it's a little bit, uh, this is the end of summer now. Uh, the schools have just gone back. So I usually take a drop in sales about this time because the kids have been on, on summer holiday and I haven't visited school uh, uh, recently uh, because of all being away. But if you look at my Amazon rankings on .co.uk, in say six weeks time you'll probably see my ratings are quite high uh, because we'll probably start jumping up to 30 40 50 books a month being sold and then uh and then create space paperbacks probably about the same amount so with those sort of sales of 40 or 50 a month as you probably know you can get pretty good rankings on .co.uk with those sort of sales so they will get better it's just because it's the end of summer and everyone's been on holiday I just want to dig into a couple of t tiny little questions, really, little things that I've spotted that I just want to ask you about. Um, sure. On your Amazon author page, you've got a promo mm. video for Tor Assassin yes. Hunter. Can you talk yes. me through why, how you did that? How did I do that? How did I do that? Um, I simply bought some software and I played around until I came up with a video that I thought was fun to market my book. So I used lots of illustrations from the book. And I used the cover, of course, and I found some free music online that I was allowed to use. And I basically learned the software of how to uh, create the film. And I simply put the film together and I use it as a tool. Is it effective? Not really, to be honest. I sometimes show it at, at literacy workshops. Uh, it gets, I think it's had about five or 600 hits on YouTube. I'm guessing, though, I might be wrong. I haven't looked for years because uh, kids, kids hunt it down and they, and they watch it. Uh, and it helps sell a few books. I'm, my, the jury's still out for me when it comes to book trailers. I think they're fun to make. I enjoy doing it. They might work better for adult books. I simply don't know because I don't write adult books. But I think probably they're not the best marketing tool in the world. I don't think. Simply because, of course, you know, you have a, you have a trailer for a film. Then, of course, it costs millions or whatever, hundreds of thousands to make. And they distribute it all over the world. It makes them loads of money. But when you're 
indie author, you can spe- spend, you know, I spent £9.95 on the software and um, you put it out on YouTube and you try and get your friends to watch it. So I, I don't think it's a very effective tool, but it was fun to make and it, it does help with the kids sometimes. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was your writing name, Billy Bob Buttons. Um, yes. Uh, why and how does that work for <laughs> you? And do you ever uh, feel the need to have your you know, your real name plastered across your book so we all know who you are? Well, Billy Bob Buttons, it makes me sound a bit like Noddy. <laughs> so that's not too good. But you see, the kids remember the name. And for me, that's what matters. So, you know, if, you know, for example... Uh, in December, we'll probably get a lot of orders on the website on bbbbuttons.co.uk on the shop. And, and, and the parents say, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And it's very easy for the kids to remember Billy Bob Buttons. But to remember my real name is a lot more difficult. So that's why we have it. Billy Bob Buttons is fun. To be honest, it doesn't work for some of my books. For Tor Assassin Hunter, Tor Wolf Rising, um, they're slightly towards young adults, and Billy Bob Buttons doesn't work as an author on there, though it's still on there. So it might be that we start using a new uh, pen name, Hickory Crowl, uh, for my sort of more young adult type books. But it gives you, it's quite good because it gives you a, a barrier in a way. It's, it, it protects me and it protects the children. So, you know. I have a Billy Bob Buttons Facebook page uh, and I have my own Facebook page and, and children go on the Facebook, not, not so supposed to go on the Facebook page, but they can go on the Facebook page of Billy Bob Buttons and it's nice and safe for them. And they can, I have a Billy Bob Buttons Twitter and they can join that and I will Twitter things appropriate for eight to 11 year olds and it'll never get confused with me twitching something to my friends who are, you know, 40 something. So my drinking pals. So so it gives me that, it protects me as well from, from the children and also it protects the children children from accidentally stumbling on me saying something inappropriate to a friend in social media yes i mean i i suppose that you're you're caught up with all these um child protection checks and all of this are you in in the work that you do you you, yes you are you are basically as a visiting author um it's very hard to get um uh, crb check used to call crb check it's changed now um because you need to be you visit a certain school many, many times. Um, and, and basically what, what I try and say and what a lot of authors are saying, I think the Society of Authors are saying is that an author should say to a school, you know, I do not want to be left alone with the children at any time. And I always say that to the schools, you know, I'm, I'm not here as a teacher. I'm here to uh, give this workshop. And, and I expect um, the, te- the, pe- the teachers to be there to organize discipline and to be there all times. So that's how I work it. And therefore, um, those sort of checks aren't, aren't too important because you're not actually working alone with the children. So it works pretty well. Yeah, and I think actually that will be very good news and a very good strategy for people who are maybe, I mean, you've got teaching experience, but it is quite a daunting prospect mm. for a, a regular author without that experience to go into a classroom. So that's probably quite reassuring for them to know that they could use that. Yeah, I think as an author, you have to be firm. You know, you're not there. You're not there to, to take over their class. The teacher can go into their marking in the staff room. That's not what we're there for. And they do try it on. They do try it on. <laughs> so you've got, you've got to be firm. I understand because they're seeing as a free hour to get their marking done. But you've got to be firm with them. You're not there to teach the kids. And you're not. And you do not want to be in a situation where you are basically um, parentally as responsible for those children during that hour. Because you're, you're not you're not insured for it. You're not you're not set up for it. You're 
you're not qualified for it. So that so you must always say, you know, and 99% of schools will will be happily do this. Um, there should always be teachers in the hall or in the classroom with you uh, listening, uh, and they should be doing that anyway because once they've listened to the workshop, they can use that workshop to to plan new work to do follow on with the students. So it's they should be doing that anyway, to be honest. If I were to divide you up, what percentage of you would be business person and what percentage of you would be author? Because the, the two must be struggling because you're very effective at the business side of things. They do struggle. I think this year, uh, 80% of me might be business and 20% author. But I like to think it's usually the other way around. But, you know, I have three young children um, uh, and a family to to uh, to keep and and uh, so I need to make sure that although I love entertaining children, I love they love my books. I try and write books I'll enjoy. I need to make sure that the, the money is coming in. So so I do make sure the business runs well as well. It's very important. It's, it's what always saddens me is when indie authors give their books away for free. That always saddens me when I read that. Um, and, I, and I find it amazing that they would spend a year, two years, five years, whatever, writing a book and then. And give it away for free. I mean, let's say they work as a as a as a I don't know. They're an accountant. If I said to them, "You can work with me as an, as an accountant for five years for free," of course they wouldn't. But they'll give their book away for free. And there's one other thing I've learned in life is that if you don't value your own thing that you make, if you don't value yourself, your own work, no one's going to value it. So I never did. I don't discount my books at all. You know, when I go into schools, my paperbacks are eight pound ninety five. Um, my other paperbacks are six ninety five. Some of my paperbacks are nine ninety five, and I don't discount at all to the schools or to the children because they're good books. I worked hard, and they're great entertainment. Um, so, and and it never is a problem. Parents are never a problem. So the trick I think also is don't don't undervalue your work. Don't sell it off for pennies. Don't give it away for free on Smashwords. Don't give your stuff away. Value it, and then hopefully maybe your customers will start to value it as well. It's really interesting. You are, I have to say, a voice in the wilderness in self-publishing. <laughs> uh, I'm not hearing many people say that. Most people would say, give the first one away for no. free. No, I don't believe in that. I'm, I'm very much, uh, pretty much going against everyone in the author world right now, now when it comes to social media, how to be an indie author, how to make good sales. But at the end of the day, I would put my book sales up against pretty much any indie author in the world. And I think I'm pretty much there in the top 1%. So I do know what I'm doing. I'm not saying it works for everyone because I am a children's author. I'm not an adult author. I'm sure it's a lot more difficult to interact with adult readers. I have the schools. I have my teaching background and I give the schools fantastic workshops. So everyone's happy. So the schools are happy to promote my books and I do these huge book signings. I mean, I've done book signings. I did a book signing in London for over 1,000 children. Took me almost till midnight to do it all. So, um... But but that's how I do it. It works for me with my skills in my background, the sort of books that I write. I think it's an incredible business model. Uh, we're nearly out of time. Could you just um, no, r- remind us about the Wishing Shelf Awards? I just want to make sure we give this a really good plug, if we can. And when it, when it closes is the other thing, please. Yeah, basically, we run from the, uh, the 1st of January to the, to the end, of December, uh, end of December every year. So we're open for one year. Uh, so at the moment, we're in the middle of the 2016 Book Awards. Uh, you can enter your book uh, in the 2016 Book Awards all the way up to the end of December. Though so get it to us as soon as you can, because the quicker you get it to us, the more time our readers will have to read it. We guarantee the books will be read by at least 15 readers. And then the 
Our winners are announced in April, the finalists the month before then, and then we start sending out all the feedback after that. So, um, and you'll get to join our Facebook group page, you'll get our newsletter, and hopefully you'll enjoy the experience. It's, it's all very helpful, and we try and help everyone who contacts us as much as we can. And simply go along to um, the website, just Google the Wishing Shelf uh, Book Awards, and it'll all come up, the, uh, and you'll see pages and pages and pages and pages of authors uh, saying how good it is. I don't think we have one negative comment anywhere on the web, as far as I know. Um, So do join us. You're very, very welcome to. And it can be from books anywhere in the world. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.